Hello there, and welcome to Star Wars Warts and All, where we discuss everything we love about Star Wars, Warts and All. My name is Will, and joining me again are Ben. Hello. Bill. Hi. And Chris. Didn't we just leave this party? Nice. Well said. <laughs> yes, last week we took our first steps into a larger world. And today, the circle is now complete as we finish our discussion of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. George Lucas and 20th Century Fox invite you to welcome back Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Chewbacca, C-3PO, and R2-D2. So, last week we started our discussion of uh, A New Hope, kind of just doing our rundown of characters, and time kind of got away from us because everything's so iconic. You know, for, when we're talking about the things we love and the things that, that really, like, speak to us about Star Wars, you're definitely going to find a lot of that in the original. Well, yeah, it's the movie that started it all, so... Yeah, it's hard not to uh, really take your time with it. Right, no shortage of things to talk about, so... Right, so today we'll probably just pick up where we left off, because there's so much more. Things that still kind of stick with us today, or still kind of leave us pondering. So why don't we start at the very beginning, because part of what makes Star Wars Star Wars, at least with these saga films, is the music. It all begins with that opening... Well, if you want to be a stickler, it really begins with the Fox fan. Fox fan. Everyone knows yeah. that comes first. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I'll give you that. Well, I always loved in the soundtracks, the first track uh, on the album is the Fox fanfare. So it really like sets the tone, at least for the, uh, for the ones I remember having. There was, um, around the special editions, they released remasters of all the soundtracks. And track one yeah, was Yeah, those the, are the best. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, something that I love about Star Wars, and it continues to this day, is how iconic the music of John Williams is. And it's like, it's one of those things... If you ask somebody what they know about Star Wars, and they might have maybe never even seen the films, but they will be able to sing the main theme, at least to some degree, and the Imperial March, and nowadays, the theme to the Mandalorian even. Like, that's something I love about that show, too, is that it's continuing the tradition of these, like, iconic themes that just stick with you. Yeah, I feel like back when A New Hope was being made, this was a giant risk to have this type of music in a sci-fi movie. But obviously, I mean, I, Lucas knew what he was doing the whole time. Yeah, because it was all—it's all part of you know tying it into those kind of classic cinema uh, mixing like, of genres and whatnot. Yeah, mythology. Just ha yeah. I think most sci-fi um, movies around the time were using more um, electronic instruments for their stuff, like theremins yeah, and stuff. Lots right. of synth, lots yeah. of synth stuff, right? Yeah, and not to get too into the weeds with the behind-the-scenes stuff, but. George had a very specific idea of what sound he wanted because he would do the, like the temp scores like during the production when he showed John Williams, you know, where he wanted music and all that stuff. He would put in old classical music recordings from big name composers like um, on Tatooine. He put in part of Rite of Spring from Stravinsky 
or a lot of the the, the planets by Holst was a big inspiration for a lot yeah, of the right. planets. That's right. Mm-hmm. And even the yeah. the main title is like a is like almost like a mishmash of a few different things. There's like Ivanhoe and a movie called King's Row from 1942. All this golden age Hollywood stuff. Yeah, and that was no accident. That wasn't just George Lucas, you know, saying I like the sound of that. No, he was trying to tap the vein of early cinema, and he was he was pulling in these these kind of classic themes that he remembered as a kid. And, and I mean, it, it says something to sit here and listen to the music of A New Hope and then go back through all the different movies, all the different TV shows, games, whatever it might be, and, and hear the, the motifs of the different music that came out of A New Hope. I think the only other one that didn't come out of A New Hope that's just as popular as the Imperial March. Right, which is actually, that's worth pointing out, because I bet a lot of people don't even realize that the Imperial March is not in this movie. That's not until Empire right. Strikes Back. And when we get there, boy, is that theme in The Empire Strikes Back (laughs) right? played constantly. I think this was another one of those things uh, similar to the merchandising where actually there's a quote from uh, one of the interviews in uh, Empire of Dreams where they're talking about how the studios didn't care about merchandising. Merchandising wasn't really a thing back then, but he knew the world was changing. The quote was that like he knew the world was changing before the studios did. And so he bought into that heavy. And I feel like that's the same thing with the music. Like he knew the direction that, that things were going to go and went with it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah. Just the sheer amount of music is, is, you know, it's like wall to wall almost. There's only a few scenes that don't have music in the movie. Right. And we'll have to mention those as we kind of yeah yeah take a stroll through the movie here. Speaking of music that comes up a lot, um, I think something that Star Wars does is the use of light motifs for the characters and planets and things uh, throughout the. So well, I should explain. Light motif is basically just a little musical cue, simple, uh, not like necessarily a full drawn out piece of music, but just a little cue that that it relates to a particular character. So when that character is on screen, you hear it, or when somebody mentions that character, you might hear it. That sort of thing. I guess we could call it a a theme. Is it yeah. similar? Like, Same thing. Like yeah. Almost character themes, yeah. Like you've got uh, the Death Star has a theme. Every time the camera cuts away to the Death Star exterior, you'll hear this little... Yeah. yeah. And even um, um, Vader had his own theme too, and it's not the Imperial March like everybody would automatically jump to. Yeah, it's kind of like a yeah. generic little imperial uh, theme for the bad guys. Never really heard again until Rogue One had a little bit of it in there, which was really exciting to hear. Really? When was that? I'm trying to remember. When uh, when Krennic goes to see Vader in his in his little tube back to tank thing, you just kind of hear it as it's draining the water. Cool. Yeah, I don't remember that. Oh yeah, it's it's first when I saw it, I was like, yes, the thing was because it fits because the timeline's right there. It's like right, right, right. A yeah. day before there's, New Hope. There's also uh, little light motifs for the Jawas. Yes, there is for sure. Ben has as a ringtone or something, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not. I may or may not. And then the Tuscans get their kind of like unique, uh, wild percussion, percussion, kind of percussion-y. Stuff, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's really neat music. 
Then, of course, there's the Rebel Fanfare, which became pretty iconic, and it kind of became the opening ditty for the, the cartoon show Rebels, which I always thought was really clever. It's like, oh, the show's called Rebels, so what do you hear? The Rebel Fanfare. And then something I caught, too, uh, in the special edition scene where Han meets up with Jabba the Hutt, you get a little bit of his theme, which was written for uh, Return of the Jedi, obviously. The tuba? Right. Yeah, yep. And then probably one of my favorite themes, and I want to say I've heard John Williams say that it was his favorite from this film, is Princess Leia's theme. Yeah. Um, which gets the full treatment on the soundtrack album. So it's not just part of, you know, kind of background music. And then uh, also iconic, you hear it in all the movies, you hear it uh, consistently throughout the saga, is the Force theme, Mm -hmm. which is often associated with Luke. Um, It may have at one point actually been called Obi-Wan's theme, I feel like. At least originally. Yeah, I think it makes sense, yeah. (laughs) Isn't Luke's theme technically the main theme? Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Yeah, because it's the hero's theme. It's Mm -hmm. his journey. But they do play the Force theme like when uh, the twin suns shot, right? That's the Force theme. Yeah. Yeah, the binary sunset. sunset. That's it, yeah. Yeah. And then again, the scene where he comes across his aunt and uncle, right? Yeah, that whole sequence is one of my favorite musical moments, not only in A New Hope, but probably in all of the saga, really. Because it <clears throat> finds it, or he pieces it together that his aunt and uncle are probably in danger after the, the stormtroopers took out the Jawas. And he runs to his speeder, and you see him speeding across the desert, and he pulls up. All, meanwhile, the, the another musical term, the DSE Ray, um... Oh yeah, right. kind of thing is going on this whole time. It's like a, it's a, a old, very, very, very old school uh, musical theme, I guess you would say, for like Day of Judgment or or Death and Doom and stuff like that. Yeah. And it gets there and plays the Force theme with like all the strings doing it in the background and everything. And then the, the, the big DS here at the end. And another thing that, what, another time that that showed up again was when in Force Awakens, Ray uh, or, or Kylo Ren's trying to pull the um, the lightsaber out of the snow, but Ray does it as like a surprise to everyone. It plays that same thing after she catches it. It's like, uh oh, your day of judgment is oh, coming. Wow. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it just made it shows boss made it all the more epic and all the more familiar to fans. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. All right, why don't we move on now to... Uh, well, another thing I definitely want to talk about that we didn't mention last time was some of the amazing, massive sets that were constructed for this movie. And I, I never really put it together before, but I think that's part of what really sells it uh, for the audiences. Like, even in the opening scene on the Tantive Four, where, where Princess Leia is getting captured... There's a scene where it's like, nope, doesn't cut away. She literally walks down one hallway, goes around a corner, starts walking down another hallway, and it's like, this is a spaceship. Like, where is she? (laughs) That does not feel fake because you see all of this space, and it's all it's all designed and and decorated and made to look, you know, real. Right. 
not like yeah. the halls of Camino or something in Attack of the Clones. Or it's sterile. Yeah, and he's, I think he's, Lucas specifically wanted like rivets on things so you could see kind of the engineering that is behind how all yes. these things are, were made. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about the behind the scenes, the making of Star Wars. And you see it in the sets, you see it in the miniatures, is the use of what they call greebles. Do you guys, are you aware of what greebles are? No. I am not. Aren't they just like regular, ordinary stuff that they made look sci-fi-ish? It's just, yeah, well, yeah, it could be. It's just basically any little thing. Could be any little piece or part or doodad that they can stick on something to make it look like it does something. Buttons, switches, little gizmo, uh, okay. you know, anything. And Star Wars is just is just what? full of them. Like Han's blaster. That's the one I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, just right stick now. a bunch of stuff on it. Now it doesn't look like a gun anymore. Now it yeah, looks like exactly. some kind of yeah. sci fi thing. Yeah, that was basically yeah. and that's that's why the miniatures work so well, because they, they covered it with all these greebles. Like the Death Star is just it's not just a round, you know, metallic ball. It's got all these little details and, and, and greebly things to it. Like in the in the trench run and on the, the the shots of the surface with like the you know all the different uh, turret towers coming up and you don't have to know what they are it just looks like it's something it looks like it serves some purpose the Millennium Falcon is another great example like when yeah. you look at the the details on that ship right inside right. and out yeah yeah right right yeah it it makes you want to go and get the visual dictionary so that you can see what it is that all this stuff actually does. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because somebody did go back and say, well, let's say that this thing... Uh, yeah, these little right. <laughs> right. So were all those massive sets, were those mainly all in the UK for this? Yeah, so so other than the on-location stuff, most of the interior sets were built in Elstree Studios in the UK. And that's like, you've got, I mean, the massive Death Star sets. Um, the Rebel Hangar might have actually been a separate location, but they're real places, you know? This is like... Before the advent of actors, like in the prequels, working in a giant blue space and creating some kind of computer-generated environment around them. These had to be physically built and had to look impressive. And they do, still. I still yeah. think they look impressive. Yeah, they hold up because of the attention to detail. And along that same line, the sets are massive and impressive, but you may have even been fooled that some of what you're looking at is not really a set it's it's well, technology well it's not really technology it's it's just as simple as making a massive painting and kind of superimposing that as the background it's not quite you know blue screen green screen technology but it takes a lot of artistry and talent to come up with these super highly detailed backgrounds to trick you into thinking that you're looking at something that's actually real and has depth to it and lighting and all this other stuff yeah and to make it look seamless is 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 really right. impressive. Or, you know, at the very end of A New Hope with the uh, the award ceremony in the original theatrical cut of the movie, it was just paintings of royal guards along the side because yes, that's right. they didn't have enough people to fill in those costumes. Yeah, so all of the rebel troops that are <laughs> lining along were originally just part of a painting, just still. Uh, they fixed that for the special edition. So actually, you'd be hard-pressed to, to find a cut of the movie that has that matte painting in it. I'd imagine. We'll see if I can find some pictures and put them on the Instagram this week. Yeah. There you go. Comparison. A little side by side. You don't have the VHSs? I don't. What's a VHS? Kidding, I'm not that. <laughs> yeah. It's worth mentioning, too, that they did a little bit of stop motion work. Stop motion, yes. not go motion. Pre, pre-invention <laughs> of go motion. Yeah, Yeah. so it was invented for Empire? I think so. Is that's that that, what you said that's last the time? story. Yeah. Yeah. 
You're talking about the the Dejaric table, the space chess. Yeah, yeah, the the hollow chess, Dejaric, whatever you want to call it. But obviously, those, all those little creatures, those little holographic creatures, were stop motion animated. Did they ever make like an actual game, like computer yeah, game you that could, you could play of that? Um, I know they made an actual physical game that you could buy at Galaxy's oh, Edge. Oh well, yeah, but they don't like jump yeah. around and eat each other, do they? <laughs> the closest thing to that is probably that augmented reality headset that I actually have. I haven't played around with it too much. It has the jar. Uh, it does. It's got three different game modes. It's mostly about the lightsaber dueling because the controller looks like Luke's uh, or Anakin Luke the Skywalker saber. But there is a degeneric mode where, you, where it looks like there's like an, a little augmented reality hollow table in front of you and you move around your pieces and they do, you know, move and, and attack each other. That's probably as close as you can get to it. Because, Chris, you mentioned that the burning homestead scene with the music kind of swelling is one of your favorites. I would agree with that, actually, now that, now that I think about it. Well, and not to go back to music again, but that's a perfect example of the music telling the story, which was George Lucas's intention from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, I think it was probably one of my favorite musical moments and one that like, so like, this is what I like to think about when, when Star Wars is like on in the background, right? Because I think we've all probably just like put it on when we're like making dinner or doing other things. Uh, sure. Like the, the scenes that you have to stop and be like, oh, this part's coming up. I want to see right. this every single time. For me, it's always the when they're escaping the Death Star and you get the here they come and then it goes into the bump, bump, bump. Yeah. I, just, I just love that music. I love that yeah. whole scene. I love the the chairs that rotate. Like I can never quite figure out how those where they're situated in the Falcon and how they which way are they facing? Yeah, yeah. but I think it, they're both. Yeah, it's just it's it, it's such a classic. It makes me think of like Muppet Baby. You remember when Muppet Babies did the Star Wars episodes? <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I, yeah. classic. I love it. And and when uh, in Solo, a Star Wars story, they they had that musical cue. And, um, I mean, yeah, people could complain it's recycled. It, it's kind of just forced, but I loved it. That's, I, if you get the Millennium Falcon flying around with that music playing, I'm all in. Like, that's, that's all I need. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, taking a, a couple steps back from that scene, one of my favorite scenes to, to watch is definitely the uh, Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader fight. It was just so classic samurai. I, I love yeah, that. Yeah, people scene. look back on that. And so, like, when I watch it with my kids, my oldest daughter, uh, when when we get to the lightsaber scene, she says, "This fight is weak. <laughs> Your powers are weak, old man." <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it is actually, as a matter of fact. But yeah, I can't fault her for that because when you when you watch modern movies and when you watch the prequels, yeah. this is not what a lightsaber fight should look like, right? But at the time, the idea was that they were holding like Excalibur. They were holding like a broadsword or a samurai's katana. Um, which is a two-handed weapon. They're not going to go doing all these flourishy spin moves and whatnot. Although Kenobi does have one sick spin move. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Can't miss that. Did anybody else have the, the Star Wars green saver set for was, was it Interplay or some company like that? There was like, I don't know, seven or eight different styles of screen savers back when screen savers were actually used for you know your computer. It doesn't ring a and, bell. Um, one of the ones was, it was just like pixel art. Like it almost looked like um, from like the Super Nintendo games kind of. There was just like Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader walking across the screen doing their little lightsaber duel. 
And every now and then, Obi-Wan would do the spin move. And, but it was it was great. It's just like this cool little neat little fight happening on your screen every five or ten minutes whenever you, your screensaver goes off. Yeah, nothing like a classic screensaver pack. <laughs> yeah. There's one I, with the, uh, the, the, the Death Star clock, like when it, it's getting in range from both points of view, the Imperial one and also the Rebel one coming around the planet. I definitely fun. remember having a computer logging off sound or the shutting down sound when, when there used to be a custom sounds for that. Uh, to Obi-Wan saying, if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Does it evaporate immediately after and start talking <laughs> right. to you? Yeah. yeah, it gets all glowy and, and see-through. Yeah, it's weird. And that's that seems actually pretty interesting, too, is because it originally wasn't going to end that way. They weren't going to have Obi-Wan die in it. C-3PO was going to get shot in that scene, and George Lucas's ex-wife at the time wrote in that Obi-Wan should die because Lucas wanted to have it beginning with the droids, ending with the droids. He knew he was never going to kill off R2 and 3PO. Yeah, well, that's actually a... I don't, I don't know what the true story is, but I've also heard Alec Guinness say that he came up with that idea with George on the set. Like they realized that this character would serve a greater purpose if he kind of sacrificed himself there. So I'm not sure which one's true because I've heard both stories and I don't know. It's it, there's, there's a lot of, and this is why we got to do a behind the scenes episode. Cause there's a lot of stories that have been kind of twisted or embellished a lot of them by George Lucas himself over the years about the making of this movie. And that's one of them. That could have been, Alec Guinness trying to give himself an out so he didn't have to come back again. Yeah, he, he famously didn't did not exactly like being there. Did not like the movie. Yeah. Didn't he just call it fairy tale rubbish or yeah, something? Yeah, but I think after the yeah. fact, though, he, he did appreciate... Oh, he enjoyed Ooh. the money he made, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's yeah. Big, yeah. that helps, certainly. Watching Empire of Dreams, he's the one who, like, his professionalism got a lot of the other actors and stuff through the grueling conditions that they had in Tunisia when they were filming oh, yeah. and I'm stuff. Sure, so. yeah. yeah. Um, Chris had mentioned earlier that there's, there's only a few, I think it was Chris, a few key moments where there's no music um, in the film. Now it's pretty much always a background presence. Um, but this is one of them in the lightsaber duel. But I, I think honestly, it wasn't for dramatic effect. I think it was just because they were afraid that the sound of the lightsabers would clash with orchestral yeah. music. That makes sense. Which obviously, yeah. It's later on they they kind of worked they, around that yeah, obviously but, away. but I mean it work yeah. it works though I mean this oh, yeah. and the the trash compactor scene is yeah. the other one but the music kicks in at the pivotal moment and it makes it even even more dramatic I guess and it works I really believe, well yeah I, there was music recorded for the whole thing but I can't even imagine it not being the way it ended up you know with with the silence. Because it's so just suspenseful. And you hear like the squishing of the stuff in the water and an occasional yeah, and like alien sound. And it's it's terrifying. I remember being really scared of that as a kid. Metal bending and stuff. So you knew. And, like the yeah. dead silence yep. when, when Luke goes, you know, gets taken underwater and he's you, you think he's gone. It's, you hear Chewie kind of like yeah. kind of mumble or growl a little bit. And then him gasping for air. Mark Hamill bursting a blood vessel in his face because he held his breath for too long underwater. <laughs> yeah. I heard that he was, he was trying to get his face nice and red to make it look like he was getting choked out. <laughs> oh, jeez. Burst a blood vessel. And they were kind of like, yeah, don't do that. It's <laughs> not necessary. Because you, could, you couldn't even tell. You couldn't even see his face. And like, after, after that, if you can notice when they shot a lot of scenes, they had to shoot it from one side of his face because they were trying to hide that. 
that I fucking blood vessel. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. That's probably. I think that's my favorite joke. Uh, I don't know if you call it a joke, but my favorite gag, I guess, in um, in this movie is when R two saves the day, and then s- they start screaming in 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 triumph, or you know, yeah. they're they're just so ecstatic and happy that their lives have been saved. But C three PO thinks he's hearing them getting crushed yeah. to death, <laughs> and I curse my metal body. <laughs> Too late. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, good yeah. I think one of my favorite little bits is a little later when everyone's running. Um, I think it's Han and Chewie are running away from a bunch of stormtroopers, and you hear one say, "Close the blast doors! Close the blast doors!" And then they jump through and then open the blast doors! Open the blast doors! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like that was a special edition edition too. You think so? Special edition edition. I don't know. I have to uh, check that. It's also a pretty good gag before that when they when he's charging after them, just screaming at the top mm. of his lungs. Uh, yeah. Turns the corner and there's a room full of stormtroopers. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely uh, added more stormtroopers uh, later in special edition for that because it w- it wasn't quite as many, and then they digitally yeah. added in like an entire platoon or something. Yep. Right? Yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's that really sells the gag even more. No, oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh god, it's something I forgot. I wanted to mention again because I mentioned my older daughter. I have to mention my younger daughter too. Uh, I'm always going to think of this now at the end of the lightsaber duel with Obi-Wan. I probably already told you guys this after, uh, Obi-Wan gets, you know, he becomes one with the force. Vader slices through him and his robes, his empty robes drop to the floor. And then Vader approaches the robes and just kind of like taps him with his foot, gives him a little kick. And my younger daughter says, he's checking for meat. (laughs) (laughs) This is a weird way to... Think of a corpse as meat. Uh, <laughs> not wrong, I guess. But, but she's not wrong, yeah. <laughs> Do we ever know what happens with that lightsaber? Uh, whoa. Um, Grievous comes by and <laughs> takes it for his collection. <laughs> yeah, he just comes charging out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what? Yeah, what does I, happen I don't to that know. thing? How... How do we not know Maybe this? It's, just, it's left behind and it gets blown up in the Death Star. Oh, yeah, I guess um, probably. Yeah, probably. Thing. Unless, unless Vader took it. But With him I, and his TIE fighter at the end? I don't know. I, doubt I feel he would. like it probably. Yeah, no, he probably, yeah. It was probably lost in the Death Star explosion. Hmm. I never really considered that. That's my favorite lightsaber hilt, too. It kind of looks when, like Luke's from Return of the Jedi a little bit, right? It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just better. Yeah. I don't know why I just like it better. <laughs> Um, didn't talk about the battle at all, Battle of Yavin. Yeah, we should get into that too. So obviously, another major, um, a major success of this movie was in the dogfights in space. So I, I mentioned the you know here they come scene with the with the Tie Fighters as they're escaping. But then obviously after that, you've got the massive space battle above the fourth moon of Yavin to destroy the Death Star. With X-Wings flying around. And some of the shots were, were kind of doctored up uh, in the special edition. And those are probably ones that I would imagine fans have the least issue with. Because it's not overly done. They still have some of the original yeah, uh, shots right. of the of the X-Wing miniatures. They didn't right. replace everything yeah. with CG. But um, I, a little bit of behind-the-scenes trivia is I love that the reference footage, almost like the storyboards used for those scenes for Industrial Light and Magic as they were, as they were creating them, was World War II 
dogfights, right. either yeah. real, real yeah. or from cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it really, again, it comes across, and that's just George Lucas tapping into the classic cinema that that people loved and and missed, and he knew yeah. this. In some cases, it was almost shot for shot for with some of the war movies that they they used. Yeah, because it was such a crunch for for the guys at ILM that they it was like kind of a blessing that they were like, all right, I'm just going to do that with this spaceship instead. And then they could just recreate the scenes yeah. using their miniatures right. basically. But it is, I feel like it, this is the scene that people have been waiting for in the movie. I mean, not that the rest, I mean, the, I have trouble picking out a favorite part because just everything in the movie is great. But this last battle, I feel like this is, this is the sci-fi that people have been waiting yeah, for. Even though we've seen yeah. it dozens and dozens of times, you still get that kind of hit of adrenaline as it's getting closer. Right. You know, yeah. Vader's exactly. barreling down on him. Yeah, <laughs> great. And again, the music plays in perfectly to that scene. And the last two years, uh, and I think you guys joined me this year in, in uh, queuing up Star Wars A New Hope on New Year's Eve so that at midnight the Death Star explodes yeah. right it's just incredible to think about that this movie came out so long ago and yet still is one of those go-to movies that everybody's like oh you want to watch something you know sci-fi oh what do we want to watch oh let's just put Star Wars on yeah and this is still the one I think I consider it my favorite just because when I like, like I was saying if I'm doing something else and I want to put something on in the background like I feel like Star Wars this always ends up being the one I turn to. It's just, it's just, I can never get tired yeah. of it. Something about it. It's yeah. that, that sense of adventure. It's, it's a positive movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't get bogged down with like, you know, super nitty gritty details and lore dumps and stuff like that. It's just right. a fun adventure. Right. It's got Jawas. Pick up the bits yeah. and pieces. You know, there's a history there, but it doesn't matter because it's just a fun time. Yeah, it's just good versus evil. And the kids love it. Yeah. That helps. Something for everybody. Boring conversation anyway. All right, and that is it for now uh, with A New Hope. I would love to do something with the the, uh, behind the scenes because there's some great resources there that we could talk about or... Uh, some of the early drafts are really fascinating. There's even an entire uh, comic book series called The Star Wars that's based on one of Lucas's early drafts. So there's a lot of meat on this one. Um, <laughs> but that's maybe for the future. What do we got uh, going on next week, Ben? Yeah, so next week we got a, we definitely have a fun episode. It's a little different from the other things that we've done, but we will be taking some iconic characters from across the galaxy and pitting them against each other in epic duels. But in the meantime, if you'd like to get into contact with us, we can be found at W-O-R-R-T-S, warts and all, uh, gmail.com. Um, it's also that on Instagram where I've actually started posting stuff. Uh, I'll try to get some of those matte painting up, paintings up, like I said, uh, some other New Hope goodness. Um, and uh, there's also a Discord invite in the show notes you can join more of a live discussion there about anything and everything in the star wars universe thanks for listening shutting up sir